My name is Michael Campbell. You're listening to Money Talks. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment that means that you get paid first. And, of course, there's no fees attached to it, and it's in the tech sector. So all you have to do is go to soleraclub.com for more information. You know, the Canadian press and virtually every other media outlet named Justin Trudeau's election victory as the top story of the year, and I'm still shaking my head. I mean, obviously, that's just their opinion. But I think it's also a reflection of the media's love affair with politics, as opposed to stories that actually make a difference in our lives. Uh, More dangerous, by the way, is the tendency for the vast majority in the mainstream media to think that politics and news are synonymous. And I think that misses the biggest lesson of the last seven years. It also reinforces one of the great fallacies we labor under, and that is if we just elect the right politician or party and all will be right. Well, that's not going to happen. You know, I looked at those lists, and it's incredible. Not a single one of those lists included the financial problems in China in their top ten stories of the year. They didn't include the strength of the U.S. dollar. I mean, really, are you kidding me? The loonies drop, which we clearly predicted on this show, was the equivalent of a 20% pay cut compared to U.S. workers, thanks to that U.S. dollar strength. It's a 40% pay cut over the last two and a half years. I mean, come on, you've all seen our food bills higher, much higher. For many, travel in the U.S. is now unaffordable, and the loonies drop means that we don't get things like the full benefit of the drop in gasoline prices, the drop in oil prices, because, of course, they're measuring U.S. dollars. And I hate to break it to the political commentary, but Mr. Trudeau's election is going to produce tons of photo ops, lots of glad talk, already has, but it won't have a big impact on our standard of living. It won't help the poor, the homeless, reduce income inequality. It's not going to rescue Alberta's economy. It's not going to push commodity prices higher or rescue uh, Ontario's manufacturing industries. Now, the more I think about it, the more critical I am of the shallow worldview that selects Mr. Trudeau's election as the top story. I mean, there are so many other stories that are going to impact us far more. I mean, certainly the crash in energy prices had a far bigger impact on government due to reduced economic growth and then reduced government revenues. We've had 100,000 job-related losses. You've seen the Bank of Canada, Parliamentary Budget Office, Finance Department, they're all continually reducing their growth forecast. That's why. 5,000-year low in interest rates didn't make anybody's list. Neither did the fact that 15 countries have negative interest rates. There is a monster story behind that. 40% of all European government bonds have negative yields. You just can't ignore these are profound events. And think of the negative impact these record low rates have had on pension funds and retirees. That's a story you're going to hear a lot more about. This week, we heard that Pennsylvania has a $50 billion hole in their pension funds. No, instead, much of the media went gaga over the Paris Climate Agreement, whose main characteristic is a lack of specifics and a lack of realistic goals and a lack of accountability. We already know the goals aren't going to get met, including in Canada. The year-end list did feature the Syrian refugees issue, but not the fact that the Liberals made a ridiculous promise during the election to take in 25000 by January 1st. But when, as usual, reality starts hitting, they were forced to revise downward the number of refugees to 10,000, and now they would include the numbers from non-government organizations. Well, now that deadline has been moved uh, back. But that still isn't the story going forward. Canada's press has ignored the serious backlash in Europe, especially Germany. And the political fallout has the potential to be a major financial story. In a nutshell, I'll tell you right now, 
put this on the calendar. If Angela Merkel's future becomes uncertain, then huge money is going to move out of Europe. It's going to come into the States, and the potential to push the Canadian dollar much lower versus the greenback is on. Any big U.S. dollar strength will also put a top on any commodity recovery because, of course, commodities are traded in U.S. dollars. There's so many more events and issues that we're going to have a chance to go into over this next year, but they're going to have a profound impact on our economy and your personal finances. And you can talk about things, and we must talk about things like the incredible technological changes that are going to restructure employment. We've got to talk about demographics, finally, and the huge impact they're having on government finances. And I'll tell you, well, with all due respect, Mr. Trudeau's election isn't changing any of that. One final thought. I think it's essential to understand. I mean, just look at oils drop, the loonies drop. These are reminders of how fast things can change. Complacency is going to get killed in this environment. Now, I spend a ton of time talking about change, but the reason is straightforward. Because if we wait for the problems to hit, it's too late. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club can be found at soleraclub.com. It's a tech-related investment, but royalty-based, which means you get paid first, and there's no fees attached, soleraclub.com. I'm going to take a break. Hey, I'm coming back. It's, hey, what else? January 2nd, Happy New Year to everybody. And that means, hey, you're going to get inundated with all sorts of predictions. Well, Michael Levy, I'm going to ask him what he thinks the big story of the next year will be. Plus, i got a big fat idea for you. And I've got Danielle Park. She's going to join me today. Juggling dynamite. Great way to kick off the new year. Glad you're with us right here on Money Talks. Coming up, I got Mike's big fat idea of the year, and it's a very interesting one. Danielle Park on deck. Michael Levy joins me right now. The top things that he's thinking, yeah, we'll go back to our regular format uh, next week, but hey, it's the new year. Happy New Year to everybody. Michael, let's start with this. What, would, what do you think, you know, what jumps out at you when I say what are the big stories of 2015? Well, Mike, there's one huge story in 2015, and I don't think that the investment uh, people invest in the markets, whether um, they invest themselves or whether uh, they have advisors who uh, help them and invest for them, uh, have managed accounts or in their pension or mutual funds. But this story just popped out from Ross Clark, our friend at CIBC Wood Gundy, who does such good work. And Ross sent me this little note this week. Looking at the performance of the world's equity markets, we find that Canada ranked near the bottom of the list in 2015. Only Brazil, Ukraine, Jakarta, and some Southeast Asia markets did worse. The country's benchmark index, the S&P TSX composite, what we call the TSX, fell 11.1%, the worst performance among developed markets, Mike. Yeah, let's have a, you know, it's interesting when you compare that to the U.S., uh, you know, and especially if you start taking into account the Canadian, I mean, the Canadian dollar was a tanker this last year, too. Well, it was, Mike. And if you had a balanced portfolio, uh, like balanced meaning uh, investment in different sectors, the uh, 16% decline in the Canadian U.S. exchange rate that meant that if Americans came into Canada with Canadian dollars to buy our market in a balanced portfolio, they lost over 25% when you uh, key in the uh, downward uh, trend of the Canadian market losing 11.1%, and then the loss on the currency also. And I think that you have to look at both of those when you take a look at how poorly the Canadian markets fared in 2015. 
Yeah, obviously you'd be a lot better off if you were in like the standard and poor's in the U.S., where you get the currency gain and that market, uh, which didn't do well either. But we weren't even in the ballpark of them. <laughs> well, Mike, we weren't. And when you factor in the Canadian dollar tumbling to seventy-two point two cents from eighty-six cents a year ago, the difference between the two indices—that's the S and P TSX, or the TSX and the S and P—it was nearly thirty percent in two fifteen. Yeah. The difference. And that's the biggest difference in Canadian dollar terms since 1998. So it was really, really a bad year for the TSX when you put it into perspective. Okay, I don't want to run out of time without going to this. Okay, make a prediction. Give us, give us what jumps out at you when you're thinking of what's going coming, coming to fruition here in 2016. And this is where you're going to go, huh? Because I think, number one, that the TSX during the course of the year is going to turn around, Mike, and it's going to beat the S&P 500. We've been down five years in a row against them. They've fared better. And we've never gone six years in a row by being beaten by the S&P, the TSX. And I think a lot of good stocks were sold in Canada because of the overwhelming feeling in the market was negative, and a lot of the baby got thrown out with the bathwater. So that's number one. I think the TSX is going to outperform this year. And number two, believe it or not, and I've been the same bear as you have and many others on the Canadian dollar, I think the Canadian dollar is very close to being at the bottom. I know there are experts who think it's going a lot lower. I really don't. I think it might have another one or two cents to the downside, and then I believe the Canadian dollar will finish 2016 better, not significantly better, but maybe three or four cents better than it closed this year. Well, Michael, we'll be here to check it out. And, uh, you know, that relates to what I thought was one of my top three stories of the year. And they're all interrelated, of course. But I, I just couldn't believe, as I said off the outset, that no, none of these top ten lists for stories of the year had the strength of the U.S. dollar as one of them because it's, it's world-changing, and it certainly was in our world when you mentioned what's gone on with the Canadian dollar. But, Michael, we'll be here to chronicle it and buy. Just give us six months, and we'll forget these if they're not right. Oh, Mike, you're going to remind me. I know you're so meticulous <laughs> with your notes. <laughs> Good year, stuff, right? Mike. Happy New Year to you. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Time for Mike's Big Fat Idea. Coming up, Danielle Park. Time now for Mike's Big Fat Idea. This is going to be great. Patrick Sarizna is with me, Chief Derivatives Market Strategist, opensource.net. Patrick, first of all, appreciate you coming on. First show of the new year, and what a great way to start. What's the specific big idea we're going to start with in 2016? Well, thank you, Mike, uh, for having me on, and I wanted to wish you and your listeners a happy new year. So my big idea is that we're buying shares of Suncor, which is uh, currently trading around that 3570 uh, level, and we're selling one-year-out covered calls out to uh, January of 2017 at the $40 strike with for about a 5% uh, cash flow premium. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in the kind of environment we've been in, uh, I was just talking to a major money manager out of London uh, during the holidays here, and he was saying, you just can't be stuck doing sort of one-trick pony stuff. Like, you know, it was traditional just to own, say, a mutual fund that only owns equities in it. Well, that isn't going to get it done. As we just talked to Michael Levy, you'd be down an average of 11% in Canada. Uh, you'd be down uh, down in the States also, and then you throw in things like currencies. But the point being, you've got to start looking at these strategies, which we've been talking about on Money Talks for a while. So you're talking about writing a cover call on Suncor. Give us a couple reasons why. 
Well, first of all, we're not uh, bullish uh, at this moment on the energy sector as a whole, but we uh, feel that uh, the concurrent market conditions have more or less been baked into the cake in terms of the stock price. I mean, when we look at it, uh, crude oil was trading uh, just under $65 a barrel uh, back in the summer, and we've now seen uh, close to a $30 decline in crude oil prices over the last six months, including uh, down to fresh new multi-year lows around $35, and including Canadian Western Select dropping uh, below $25. And so Suncor, during this period, has solidly held above its summer lows just under $33. So, I mean, a big drop like this isn't hurting the stock price uh, where it's breaking to new lows and fresh distribution. And that, to us, is a healthy sign, at least for uh, a key support. And so by us selling a $40 covered call, so let's say you buy the stock at $35.72, you're leaving over a 10% upside on the stock up to the $40 strike. And Suncor paying about a three and a quarter percent dividend and collecting an additional five percent in covered call premium, we've generated an over an eight percent cash flow without even needing the stock to go up. And if we, under the circumstances, had the stock rise over the course of the year above forty dollars and we were forced to lose it, well, we'd make close to a twenty percent return on the trade. And if not, and in the stock ends up trading sideways, we'd at least uh, used it to generate a very healthy 8% cash flow on a great blue chip stock. And then a year from now, obviously, if, if uh, the stock hasn't gotten over 40 and you still own the stock, you can just redo the same kind of portfolio strategy again, the same covered call Absolutely. writing strategy again. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and this is a very interesting uh, time, Patrick, because, uh, you know, on Money Talks, we were crystal clear from $107 in oil down uh, my projection was sort of 34, and uh, thanks to people like Joseph Schachter, and I know Victor Adair has been playing that market to go down, uh, you know, so we, and we're right around those targets, which, by the way, is a little plug for the World Outlook Conference. I'll be looking forward to that because we'll see what we think about that oil market with the likes of Joseph Schachter, with the likes of Martin Armstrong. So, but we could be at a very yeah. important point. We've got a ton of uh, analysts now saying, hey, it's time for a rebound. And if that happened, as, as you've uh, alluded to, Suncor certainly rebounding with it. Absolutely. And again, it, and you don't even need to be overly bullish. You, you just actually have to believe that much of the downside has now already been priced in. Yes. Because a part of covered call writing is just owning stocks that you feel have a really good value and have a, at least a defined or limited risk to the downside. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's very... Let, let me just... Who is this kind of appropriate for? Uh, what kind of investor, uh, you know, risk well, profile, that kind of stuff? Well, uh, you know, Suncor is this blue chip Canadian stock. And so we recommend opening this covered call without any leverage. And if you, and indefinitely within the context of a diversified portfolio. So any investor willing to have equity exposure in their portfolio and also understanding that there's a chance that you may get called away at a profit at the $40 strike, uh, it certainly would be appropriate. And uh, again, uh, you know, the old the straightforward questions that I hope everyone's asking on everything is what the risk, what kind of time frame, who's it appropriate for. So let's talk a little bit about time frame. Well, you're selling the covered call for a year, right? So we've we're I'm suggesting the January 2017 covered call. So it's a it's a play for the duration of the 2016 year. So you're looking forward to four quarterly dividends, uh, the upside on the stock potentially toward 40 and uh, the commitment on the covered call for the year. Now, of course, 
if you uh, are not called away, you may continue to own the great blue chip stock and continue to be able to cover call right on it uh, for years to come. But this particular trade is for one year out. Great stuff. It's uh, always nice to chat with you, Patrick. Uh, All the best for 2016. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Mike. Patrick uh, Serizna is Chief Derivative Market Strategist, opensource.net. Hey, just a reminder, I just alluded to it, but I hope you've got your tickets for the World Outlook Conference. Uh, I'm very proud of the track record. It's straightforward. There's no other way to put it. I mean, if you had just simply followed the advice on this radio show at the World Outlook in terms of things like making sure you had a good chunk of dough if you have that kind of money available, and I appreciate that many don't, but still having exposure to the U.S. dollar, that still was the best thing I think I did last year, playing the oil market to go down. I think I'm still playing the euro to go down. Uh, you know, I'm patient with it. I still think the yen's going down. I'm patient with that. Uh, you know, it's still like, uh, you know, interest rates I don't think are budging in our country for a while with any significance. So those are the main themes, but we're going to have a chance. Ozzy Jerk's going to be there with a full real estate contingent. Jeff Olin, who I'm really looking forward to hearing, that starts at 1 o'clock on January 29th. Uh, just a series of speakers all on real estate. Uh, then we get to the Outlook uh, Conference in terms of stocks. Uh, we have our small cap portfolio. All of that is coming your way. So I hope you take the time, uh, commit. But we also have this special program to bring young people with us. And I think that's very important. That's one of my big things. I know I go on about it all the time. But uh, I know we're about 90% sold out of the VIP tickets. I was looking at that uh, before the holidays began, but I hope you do join us for that. The World Outlook Conference, just go to moneytalks.net, and while you're there, you just click on the events button and uh, sign up for that. But the other thing, too, is I hope you're going to moneytalks.net and you're clicking on, got a lot of business, I did a lot of business comments, by the way, over the holidays. I didn't take that time off, uh, and I think there's just a lot of issues. My goal is always just to raise the level of debate, to add in, uh, as you could tell from my opening commentary, I just think that economics and finance uh, get a short shift when it comes to mainstream media. And yet these are the driving forces of political change, of social change, and impact of individuals' lives. And uh, until we raise the level of discussion when it comes to things like, uh, you know, our financial discussions, I I mean, I'm still blown away. And that's what I talk about a ton on the air, though. I'm still blown away by the lack of understanding of fundamental economic concepts. And uh, I talked about one just before Christmas, which is, or, or just at Christmas, which is Boxing Day. I mean, here we are, we're all impacted by the incentive of things going on sale, so we change our behavior. Well, there's no different when you talk about capital investment, when you talk about trying to grow an economy. And I'll tell you, we'll bring these issues to the forefront over the next year, but I'm not sure if you're hearing it anywhere else. So tell your friends, Come to the World Outlook Conference, listen to Money Talks, but go to moneytalks.net and click on the daily business comments or the weekly. I do a, a midweek Money Talks interview there, too. So I hope you join us. Stay with us coming up. I got Danielle Park. This will be great.